Abraham Lincoln once said, Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Keep this in mind as we ask the question, who gives the World Economic Forum the right and authority to decide for you? In this video, I'm going to provide you insights about this organization and its overall negative impact on humanity. Our show today is sponsored by Noble Gold. My name is Dr. David Wallalu, and you are watching Geopolitics in Conflict. The World Economic Forum, that gathering of billionaires, leaders, elected and unelected, an assortment of Batman villains is underway, and there is no debate amongst the elite. There's no. just a lot of preaching, self-congratulation. I mean, it feels like I'm at a firefighters fighters conference and no one's allowed to speak about water. I mean, this is not rocket science. I mean, we can talk for a very long time about all these stupid philanthropy schemes. Come on, it's we got to be talking about taxes. Yeah, That's it. Taxes, taxes, taxes. All the rest is in my opinion. Let me provide you a brief history about the World Economic Forum. World Economic Forum is an international non-governmental and lobbying organization in Switzerland. It was founded on January 24, 1971 by a German engineer and economist, Klaus Schwab. The foundation, which is mostly funded by its 1,000 member companies, typically global enterprises with more than $5 billion in turnover, as well as public subsidies. And here is the mission of World Economic Forum. It says, and I quote, improving the state of the world by engaging business, political, academic, and other leaders of society to shape global, regional, and industry agendas." End of quote. The annual World Economic Forum, it's called the Davos Boys Club, it's also open to girls as long as they know their place meets every year on January 16th, between January 16th and January 20th in the Swiss Alps, where the upper wealthy technocrats discuss how to fix the fragmented world they broke. Now, some words from our sponsor, Noble Gold. Noble Gold Investments is pleased to let you know that gold is the best investments class for 2022. According to longtermtrend.net, gold has actually outperformed the S&P 500, the Dow, and Bitcoin for 2022. So what are you waiting for? Open a gold IRA or a silver IRA with Noble Gold Investments this month and receive a free quarter ounce American Gold Eagle coin with every qualified IRA of $50,000. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments and their thousands of five-star reviews. Call the team now at 877-646-5347 to find out more. Or visit geopoliticsgold.com. And remember, there is always a risk of loss. And past performance is not indicative of a future results. There is always a risk of investments, and there is no guarantee of any kind. Now, back to the show. Though the World Economic Forum meets in Davos every year, 
It is actually headquartered in the tiniest town of Colony, outside Geneva, about 265 miles west. Becoming an official member of the World Economic Forum is very expensive, to say the least. You must be either in the billionaire crowd or a world leader whose taxpayers foot the bill. It costs $19,000 per person to attend. Unfortunately, you cannot do so unless your organization is also a World Economic Forum member. And that costs between $60,000 and $600,000 a year, depending on your partner status. So, doing the math, it costs a minimum of $79,000 per delegate to attend, plus additional costs for flights, accommodation, and meals for their private entourage. And I did more math, and I found this. Schwab and the World Economic Forum are raking in a minimum of $213 million dollars. And that would be the most conservative estimate. No doubt, the World Economic Forum gets a cut from all the hotels and other services. And so, it will not be out of line to estimate at least $1 billion per year in income. Here's the five main themes for the World Economic Forum this year. Number one energy and food crisis in the context of a new system for energy, climate, and nature. Basically, how to starve the masses into submission. Number two, high inflation, low growth, high debt economy in the context of a new system for investments, trade, and infrastructure. Basically, how to bankrupt the masses into submission. Number three, geopolitical risks in the context of a new system for dialogue and cooperation in a multipolar world. Basically, how to exploit the war in Ukraine and or how to exploit the crisis they made without blowing themselves up in the process. Number four, social vulnerabilities in the context of a new system for work, skills, and care. Basically, how to exploit the crisis they created. And number five, industry headwinds in the context of a new system for harnessing frontier technologies for private sector innovation and resilience. The meeting will bring together about 2,700 members, including 52 heads of states, 600 CEOs, 100 young globalists, and 125 experts from the world, leading universities, research institutions, and think tanks. From the United States, the like of the FBI director, Chris Ray, the CEOs of Amazon, BlackRock and Pfizer, top officials at the Gates Foundation and in the Soros Network. And yes, the publisher of the New York Times, to name but a few. Special guest this year includes John Kerry, the special presidential envoy for climate of the U.S. 
Averill Hines, the U.S. Director of National Intelligence. Martin Welsh, Secretary of Labor of the U.S. Catherine Tay, U.S. Trade Representative. Cynthia Freeland, Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance of Canada. Christine Lagarde, President of the European Central Bank. And Ukrainian President Comedian Zelensky. The panel will be called, and I put this in quote, Restoring Security and Peace, end of quote, which is an Orwellian newspeak for basically how do we balkanize Russia after we destroy Ukraine. During the annual meeting, the population of Davos explodes to well over 100,000 people, including participants, media, security, and support staff. About 2,500 in that surge are World Economic Forum delegates, and the remainder comprise their entourage and security necessary for the delegates' appearances. Fortunately, the Swiss Army will be there, armed with their Swiss Army knives, to keep all the nasty conspiracy thinkers from crashing the party and spoiling the fun. The Swiss government announced, and I quote, for the use of the army in the form of support services on the occasion of the World Economic Forum from 10 to 26th of January, the federal parliament has set an upper limit of 5,000 military personnel with armed fighter jets on permanent patrol duty during the conference period. Ground-to-air defense, additional radars, enhanced airspace surveillance, and 24-hour air police service through Switzerland. End of quote. And by the way, Swiss citizens are paying for the bill. Despite the downplaying of regular attendees like singer Bono, who smirks that Davos is a herd of, and I quote, fat cow in the snow, end of quote. The reality is that the World Economic Forum, it's increasingly becoming the center of global decision-making. The United Nations did not become the forum that the elites could use to create their global corporate empire, simply because there is too much red tape and policies within the UN or the United Nations Constitution that cannot be overridden. In a recent Globe and Mail article, World Economic Forum Managing Director Adrian Monk complains that trolls are wrecking all of Klaus Schwab's beautiful wickedness by spreading far-right disinformation and stuff. He rattles on trying to prove the World Economic Forum's are nice guys and would never plot world takeover or pull the wings of butterflies. He quote, a pandemic was raging and the World Economic Forum launched the Great Reset, promoting the idea of building back better so that economies could emerge greener and fairer out of the pandemic, end of quote. He says, without blinking. And yet, straight out of the horse's mouth, the World Economic Forum itself suggests that a globalized world is best managed by a self-selected coalition 
of multinational corporations, governments, and civil society organizations, which it expresses through initiatives like the Great Reset and the Global Redesign. So, the World Economic Forum is the future world government, plain and simple. Mr. Schwab is already its first president and arguably the un unofficial CEO of the world. Yet, all it has to happen next, through their planned series of forthcoming mega-crises, is for the world to acknowledge the World Economic Forum conquest of all nation-states and submit to its supreme authority. The pandemic was the first stage towards the World Economic Forum endgame. The World Health Organization successfully enlisted 194 nations into a global coup d'etat without firing a shot. There are three things the World Economic Forum needs to destroy in order to consolidate their power. One is national sovereignty. Two is civil rights. And three, faith in some higher power, however you call it God or whatever. Only the first one can be destroyed. They can take away the power of nations on the world stage. Sovereignty has been undergoing a gradual degradation for decades. Australia, Canada are a case in point. As the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau said, and I quote, Canada is the world's first post-national state, end of quote, referring to the fact that his cabinet is infiltrated by World Economic Forum members. Civil rights and faith are impossible to destroy, and as history has shown, abusing either results in an increase. Civil rights are the outward political expression of the inner spiritual path. Those who are on a spiritual journey or those who value their freedom are boldly resentful when injustice occurs, especially when people's right to basic human existence is threatened. Look what happened in Netherlands with the Dutch farmers. The universe reveals that good is more powerful than evil. For all the evil that is done under the sun, the good that is produces is a hundred times greater. This leads me to talk about this particular point. Are the billionaires devouring the world, exposing the global billionaire class? Hidden impact on nearly every aspect of modern society. The 1% shocking exploitation of the global pandemic has hastened a 50-year trend of wealth centralization. How the billionaires have been aggregating all this wealth excessively over time? Well, look to the story of inequality and money to interest pulling the forces of democracy towards their own interest. This outcome has been enhanced, intensified, and disseminated by the reality that we have a global economy that's been engineered to send more wealth to a handful of people who have the power. And this is, ladies and gentlemen, is the group of people known as billionaires. 
to essentially write the rules in their own interests. And we can see this in many ways. Allow me to share with you a few examples to put this within a much broader context. I'm going to provide you with examples. And by the way, there is a great book out there by Peter Goodman called Davos Man, How the Billionaires Devour the World. Example number one. Let's take Steve Schwarzman, CEO and founder of Blackstone, the world's largest private equity company, who in the run-up to the pandemic was sinking billions of dollars into the American healthcare system as part of a wave of, of the investor class, turning healthcare into a part of our life that is functioning like most other businesses. What you do not know is that they reduced capacity to jack up the prices. The same way your airline wants all the seats to be full. Hospitals' rooms are supposedly to be full. That's how crises are managed. The government is useless and paralyzed. Example number two, Amazon. It's good that Amazon exists and it's easy to order things. There are ways in which the services, the products provided by these people who've gotten wealthy providing them are good and necessary. I am grateful for them, but I don't want to see them profiting through some backhanded ways or using those profits to push for government policies that A, harm the rest of us and B, keep us trapped. Example number three, Mark Benioff. He is the CEO of Salesforce, a huge Silicon Valley tech company. In 2021, at the World Economic Forum gathering in Davos, he said, and I quote, CEOs are the heroes of the pandemic, end of quote. What most of us did not know is that he wasn't talking about the frontline medical workers or other essential workers laboring in senior citizens' homes. His statement is not a mistake. He was talking about financiers delivering credit to prevent bankruptcies. He specifically said, and I quote, The government didn't save you. We saved you. Not for profit, but to save the world. End of quote. That's not a gaffe. That's a worldview. What all these examples reveal, in your opinion? It suggests the billionaire's class uses this kind of messianic posture to tell us, we've got this. You don't have to pay taxes. And guess what? Not paying taxes helps the billionaire more than anybody else. We will take care of your problems at a time when it's clear that our problems are being exacerbated by the way our economy is set up. It's not like I should be troubled that Jeff Bezos is making a billions while his warehouse workers are not doing as well. Inequality is part of a capitalism. You know it and I know it. We understand that there are going to be a certain amount of inequality in exchange for innovation. But the hard truth and reality is that we've accepted this absurd 
level of inequality while dismantling a lot of regulations that end up widening the gap. Let's not forget that Amazon has lobbied the government to avoid paid sick leave. So none of these forces that we are discussing are by accident. This is all according to Amazon's plan. I mean, labor is a cost to be minimized so they can maximize return to shareholders and then supposedly deliver the best prices to consumers. Something they sometimes do and sometimes don't. But we cannot forget to talk about another guy by the name Larry Fink, who is the world's largest asset manager. His company now controls $10 trillion in assets. And yes, Larry's thinking goes like this. If companies don't get it right with climate change, if companies don't treat employees better, the market will deprive you of capital. It goes further to the point of threatening shareholders' votes. As a result, positioning himself as being on the right side of history while he actually doesn't exercise his power most of the time on these votes. But you know quietly, Fink has spent the pandemic squeezing poor countries like Argentina to pay up on his bonds, cutting healthcare, cutting government programs in the middle of this public health disaster to pay up. That's the part of the record that Mr. Larry Fink does not care to talk about. So here is my conclusion for you. The seed of distractions is planted in every democratic or otherwise society because tyranny is ultimately suicidal for all involved. We can therefore stand firm and say in confidence, bring it on, Mr. Schwab, bring it on. As always, prepare yourself for challenging world order. Till next time. Bye-bye.